summer break is over, welcome back and welcome to 2018 with Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm Sam Kelly. Welcome back to Hand of Pod. We've had a month and a bit off. Andres and I were discussing this on the lift and the way up. Uh, it's a short break compared with what we normally have, uh, but it still feels like it's been really long. So it's good to be back. Uh, Andres is here with me. Hello, Sam. I, I missed football, of course, even when it's a short period in which it's not played. And of course, also Hand of Pod where we discuss about everything about football, Argentine football, of course. Indeed. Um, I have to say, I've, I've quite enjoyed having a few free weekends. It, it, it's been really nice, yes. but it, it, but it the gets most, a bit boring after the most you The more you enjoy anything, something, the more you miss it when it's not, yeah. uh, when it's not uh, there. So Precisely. Um, before we get going this week, I'm going to replace the traditional results section, because, of course, there aren't really any, well, there aren't any top-flight results, at least, to report to you um, with a plea we're going to be launching on Patreon I think next week possibly just before the um, release of the next episode of Hand of Pod Um, I did put a poll on Twitter the other day asking for people's suggestions or opinions on on extras Um, that's going well but please go on to Twitter go on to our Facebook page and vote on that if you haven't already if you have then don't um, if you've already voted on Twitter, please don't vote on the Facebook poll, and vice versa. If you've already voted on the Facebook poll, please don't vote on the Twitter poll, because uh, I want to get an actual realistic idea of, of real numbers um, so that we know what to offer people who want to support us. The aim, if we can get the money together, um, will be, first of all, that we are able to pay for our Fernet, and possibly pay for our own URL so that the podcast website stops being handofpod.wordpress.com uh, and becomes handofpod.com or handofpod.something um, instead and then secondly so that I'm able to give some money to Andres basically and to the other people who come along on odd weeks as well and not have them working for because it is work really offering their expertise um, for free every week obviously until now we've done it for pleasure and and that's all very well and it is pleasurable Um, but after a while we have to start thinking about the bottom line I'm afraid and we did have enough listeners um, last year when I first plotted this idea who were happy they say to um, chuck a bit of cash our way to support it that I think we were able to make it a a going concern so hopefully that will turn out to be the case Um, Okay, boring administrative stuff over. Let's get into the football. As ever, uh, this new wannabe professional hand of pod is not going to be any better planned, so I haven't given any thought whatsoever to the first section of this podcast. But I suppose we should talk about transfers, because that's all anybody seems to care about these days. They're more important than actual playing games, aren't they? Yes, we have, for example, <clears throat> if you want to hear about an unexpected transfer or a strange transfer... We have an Argentinian player who will be at Iceland mm. 
playing in the first division of, of that country, uh, which league has only 12 teams, and it's Ignacio Fidelef, a former news defender, I think left back, and he will play in the uh, for well, uh, I I went I would say sorry because of the pronunciation. If there is an, uh, some listener from Iceland, I of course uh, I beg your pardon. Uh, for the for the IBB best manager or something like that is uh, spelled like Let's this. Let's see whether I can have a go. Oh, blimey, yeah, yeah, braver than I am. Vestmanayar. Well, uh, so. Would be my guess. But I very much don't speak Icelandic or anything else related to it. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be spying on the national team. Yes, there is. The, the, the Toda Passion site uh, uh, published this news and said that they will he will be some kind of spy. But I don't think he speaks Iceland or the, 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 the language spelled, uh, spoken there. So. Uh, I, I see it difficult, but well, it's a, a, a strange news, but he will play there, so why not? It also got me wondering how many of the Icelandic national football team actually, in, in case anybody's wondering why we're saying this, by the way, it's, yes. you'll, you'll have forgotten possibly, but a month and a half ago, when the World Cup draw took place, Iceland are one of the teams in Argentina's group, um, and this did get me wondering how many of the Icelandic national football team actually play in Iceland, um, so I am now yes. looking them up on Wikipedia. Let's have a look. Current squad. Uh, yes. We've got Denmark, Denmark. Okay, so one of the goalkeepers is. Looks from the number, I'm guessing he's the third choice goalkeeper. Um, three of the defenders, one of whom is going to be a teammate of Mr. Fidelef. Um, oh. One midfielder. That's it. So by no means um, a majority of the squad. So how much he's actually going to learn about the Icelandic national team uh, is a bit debatable, particularly given that most of them are under 20. In fact, I think all of them are under 25, the ones who are playing there. Um, but all the same, yes. not potentially. A, not a lot of, of, of players from the, their own country. There are a lot of abroad. Yes, yes, indeed. Just like Argentina. Funny yeah. that, isn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, p- potentially vital for Argentina's World Cup hopes. Ignacio Fidelef, you, he will not be in the Argentina squad. Yes. Well, actually, the way they are for fullbacks at the moment, maybe he will be. Um, but uh, it would be quite desperate if he was. Um, and uh, that doesn't mean that he can't play a part all the same. There is a transfer window, of course, going on down here in Argentina as well. It's actually finishing slightly annoyingly in almost exactly 24 hours time uh, which means that we can't really give you the the final details but already a number of clubs have made what are probably going to prove to be their biggest um, incorporations Uh, you very possibly even those of you who haven't um, been following anybody from Hand of Pod on Twitter over the summer if you've been following me on Twitter over the summer then there is a very real chance that you won't have heard of any of this because I don't really pay any attention to it whatsoever. Um, but if you've been following Peter, then he's been tweeting about it. You've been tweeting about it a bit, haven't you, Andres, in English? Yeah, basically in, in about English, Centurion sorry. coming to Racing. Uh, as, yeah. as they, there was some kind of uh, idea that he will play for Boca again after he said that he will retire if he wasn't there any, uh, again. Uh, then he went to Genoa, he played a few matches and now when he was about to go to Malaga finally Racing was owner of, of a percentage of the of his uh, transfer mm. uh, finally went to Racing because of that and uh, now they will have a, I think 
quite good team and for me along with Ra River and uh, well Boca is always yeah uh, good at signing players the, um, the big five have kind of split yes. into two groups really yes. you've, you've got three of them Racing, River and Boca who have gone out into the market and tried to make a splash um, and then you've got the other two who've done a bit less Independiente have done a bit less they, they've sort of signed um, some names who I think by and large are sort of keeping the squad ticking over as much as anything I don't think any of them are particularly going to tear the world apart um, they're, they're trusting quite a lot in their youth team as indeed Ariel Oland did at times last year Boca and River have both gone out for the headlines um, San Lorenzo have done much 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 less because they haven't signed anybody they, I, I, as far as I read they are expecting even to, to sell for example Bellucci mm. and they will sell Ceruti uh, because they are they have they are short of money or well no they, they or they, they have no needs in terms of the uh, signing players but uh, uh, apart from the five big teams because there is a question about that I think for example Vélez have signed uh, Mauro Zarate who yeah. we will have to see how he responds uh, after his third he will it will be his, his third stage or period at, at, at Vélez yes and they unveiled him um I mean, first of all, he's one of the three signings that have sort of made the biggest splash of the market over the summer. The others being Lucas Prato um, going to River Plate for a River Club record transfer fee, $11 million, which is, in my opinion, a very silly amount for an Argentine club to be chucking around on a player who's 29 years old and probably isn't going to have much resale value, but, you know, who knows. Um, and Carlos Tevez, of course, who's returned to Boca Juniors on a free transfer after um, leaving Shanghai Shenhua. Let me, let me wonder cloud. whether it was, what, it was free or not. Uh, of course, they, Angelisi said, the president of Boca said that it was zero uh, uh, spending for, for Boca. Uh, and I, th I think Tevez, well, they said Tevez uh, was the one who paid the Chinese team, the Shanghai Shenhua, uh, in order to be free mm. or to, well, re expire the contract. But uh, I don't know. Uh, you think that's more a case of playing to Tebas's reputation as the player of the people? Yes. I'm trying to say that he's the one who gave up his own money to be with Boca when maybe that's not true. Um, it's. I think it's $11 million. It's, of course, a lot of money. Uh, even for teams that are abroad, I don't say... Real Madrid or, or Barcelona, but uh, there are teams that they don't invest a lot of money in, in, in signing players when they could invest. And, uh, but I say, in defense, not of Prato, that I prefer a, 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 an expensive player, but the one you know or you assume he will put on his, the t-shirt and, mm. and score goals or, or he, his uh, performance will, will be good than three free players of three, four million dollars but you don't know yeah. uh, that they will how they will play. And so by that logic, really, whether Boca genuinely got Tevez on a free or not is sort of irrelevant because we know yeah. that he's going to be fine at this level. Um, you know, he's just come off a stinker of a year by all accounts in China, but that was because he didn't adapt. Uh, and going back to Maro Sarate, uh, the f thing that I found most amusing about that was that Velez apparently unveiled him before West Ham had um, said that they could have him. So the, the sort of the deal was in place, but West Ham hadn't actually sent the final paperwork, and Vélez already had him out on the pitch in front of a few thousand fans. And uh, after that, the day after that, West Ham were going well. At the moment, he's still our player, um, but apparently he has now. It's on a loan, isn't it? 
think. Yes, I think um, it will be one one year one or year. something like that. Uh, so he, that, that's now been confirmed. And those three, all forwards, funnily enough, um, are three of the biggest ones to watch, really, in the window. Veles, let's talk about Veles a little bit before we get on to more detail with River and Boca. Um, because they've signed some interesting ones. Most interesting of all, possibly, is Gabriel Hainsey being unveiled as the new manager, which happened at the beginning of the summer. Um, given his previous sort of identity as a boss at Godoy Cruz, and then obviously last season in the Bay Nacional with Argentinos Juniors, who where he, he won the league in great style, um, he should be a good fit for the way that Vélez historically have liked to play football, with a very sort of open and, and relatively attacking um, team at, at various points although ironically their most successful sides were under Carlos Bianchi who was a little less um, open in terms of his managerial style even though he himself was a very high scoring striker as a player um, but the, some of the players are sort of it, it's it's an interesting mix Agustin Bossat from Boca not very many playing opportunities there um, should get more at Venice Marco Tosiglieri I think ought to stiffen up the defence and probably prove a bit more of um, an experienced hand than Fabian yes. Cubero who just keeps getting sent off all the time and giving a, a quite bad guidance to, to the youngsters um, Joaquin Lasso I'm really not Argentina Juniors kid but no, no. yeah I, I, what I've seen of him at Argentinos no. was relatively underwhelmed but Jesus Mendes coming back home from Toluca back home to Buenos Aires because where did he play before? Uh, he had played at Independiente, I think, before. Independiente, that's right, yeah. And um, before that, Rosario Central, of course, River and Boca. Yeah, and, and Maro Sarate. Between them, they should add... You know, Venice should be much more effective in attack this year, I think. And the sort of age of some of these players as well is an interesting one because they're not well into their 30s, but they're also not 19. Uh, we mentioned a few times last year how Vélez have got a very, very young squad yes. and was struggling and needed some experience. And I think Hainsey seems to have recognised that with these signings. That should be an interesting mix between the the kids that are they, that already were there at Vélez and we we said here at Hanapod uh, that there were a lot. Mm-hmm. And now with Torcilleri, Jesus Mendes, and Mauro Sarte, they could be that mix of. Um, uh, kids and experienced players. Yeah, and and Sarate, of course, has been really brought in as a replacement for Maxi Romero, the the youngster, who was the one youngster for Vélez who actually did stand out and look really excellent. Uh, you might be able to remember that he was sold. I think the agreement was done way back at the start of December, wasn't it? And then he actually left after the the season ended um, to PSV Eindhoven for ten and a half million euros. It says here. Um, so it's. Uh, in terms of the level that we're talking about in the Argentine league, Sarate is the ideal replacement. Almost having lost yes. the, lost him, he knows the club. He's going to fit straight in. He's going to feel at home, um, and he's going to do a good job at this level. One would think. Um, so yeah, back to the the two giants, though River and Boca. River, apart from Lucas Prato, um, have also brought in, in very inefficient fashion, Franco Armani, who said goodbye to everybody at Atletico Nacional, was given a massive send-off, flew down to Buenos Aires, and then almost didn't sign for River because they couldn't be, they couldn't agree a fee. They wanted to change the terms of the payment or something with Atletico Nacional. With the bank, something with the warranties. Yeah. Um, eventually that got sorted out, and Franco Aramani is now River Plate's goalkeeper. Um, Augusto Batasha has gone to Atletico Tucumán, which I think should be a good move 
for River because they get rid of a player that they didn't really want around anymore. It should be a good move for Batasha because he needs playing time and, and perhaps a less visible goal to defend, as it were. Um, and it should be a good move for Atletico Tucumán um, because they get uh, more competition in goal. Sanchez is the one. Ketty was their goalkeeper. Ketty is injured. Thank you. That's, yes, he was injured. That's what I was um, trying to remember. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think good good news for all three parties for River, for Batasha, and for Atlético Tucumán. Um, and they also signed today. It's been confirmed Juan Fernando Quintero, which is going to be an interesting signing to watch uh, because he lit up the Colombian league for Envigado, Atlético Nacional. And one of the Medellin sides, I think, independent Medellin, Medellin. Yes. Um, and is a Colombia international. Um, and then he went to Porto and didn't adapt at all. And he's now arrived at River on loan from Porto with an option to buy. Um, if he hits the ground running, it could be really good. I, I think that he's probably been signed um, as insurance in case Gonzalo Martinez or Ignacio Fernandez end up being sold. But if River managed to keep them both, which River obviously want to do, he's going to provide competition and uh, a rotation option for, for that attacking midfield um, strata in the formation, as it were. De La Cruz, you mentioned De La Cruz, because he will be uh, along with, no. with De La Cruz and Martinez. Mm. Uh, I think that he has more... Uh, he plays more at his position at Martinez. And I would say De La Cruz, not so... not. Fernandez, Nacho Fernandez, I think he is more a, a, a classic midfielder, and, mm. and De La Cruz, Piti Martinez, and Quintero will be more offensive if you talk about the position in which they will play. True, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, he and we will compare could, could compare with another with Colombian who like Cardona, for example. Mm. Um, in even when, with their behavior, I, I would say. Well, let's not speak too soon because we don't know what Quintero's got up his sleeve in that regard yet. But yeah, um, Boca's uh, summer has been marked not only by the players that they have signed and sold, um, as also by a scandal who even I, who by and large try not to pay attention to um, off-pitch scandals, could not avoid hearing about um, because their three Colombian players were all involved in it, although only two of them were sort of involved as actually doing something naughty as it were um, I'm now trying to remember who the three Colombian players are and you just mentioned their names Ramona Barrios Thank and you. Fabra Frank Fabra was the only one whose name I can remember and he's the only one who's not been accused of uh, beating someone up basically so Cardona and Barrios um, Edwin Cardona and Wilma Barrios to give them their full names um, were accused by two Young ladies at a nightclub in Argentina. Not a nightclub. Uh, uh, that is the more crazy thing that they were at the hairdressers. Oh wow! Right. See, I, I said I couldn't avoid the story, but as you can see, I wasn't reading that much of it. Um, so it they first got reported as they were trying to sexually assault these girls, and then one of the ladies came out the next day or after a couple of days and said no. There was no sexual assault taking place, but they did beat us up. There was violent, um, violence and menaces, or they were they were treated by by the by Farrios and, and Cardona with yeah. Fabra as a witness. Fabra apparently saw this and with didn't do anything. Yes. And yeah, that there were alcohol and well, and they they menaced with 
these girls with, with knives. And they were the hairdressers because the, the owner of that uh, hair, uh, store uh, were cutting their, their they, they were having their cut, uh, their hair cut. Mm. And they, these women appeared and apparently they were Im invited by, by the owner. Mm -hmm. And they were going afterwards, they were going uh, to attend the party and, and well, uh, they asked, asked for food, something like that, and they started eating and apart. Uh, apparently also drinking, and after that, the, the, this thing, uh, this all this thing uh, occurred about the violence and the menaces. I I don't really know the the, the, the why this happened, but uh, the, the these women said this, and that there were there were uh, also uh, Cardona asking for them to uh, to to fix this with money, mm. uh, extra officially. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not to go go to the to the to the police and this and well finally they did this and well now apparently they they arranged a, a sum of money to be paid because uh, the the these women finally quit the the how you say the mm. the action well the, yeah the, the lawsuit yes um Boca were for a few days reportedly considering uh letting all three of those players go which would have been remarkable, uh, particularly given the transfer fees they would presumably have um, been passing up by doing so. Uh, I think that they're staying in the club now, right? They're, yeah, they're they also were the training and finally they will apparently be in the starting lineup against Cologne the, the, this Saturday, because mm -hmm. they will play on Saturday and uh, in the only important match there that have, have they have played in the, in the summer uh, well, we are still in the summer, but right? I mean the friendlies against River. They note noticed the the, the absence of, of Cardona, especially Barrios. Uh huh. So, so since we've talked about Rivers and Boca's signings, in fact, um, tell us about this match on Sunday, uh, Andres, because you watched it and I didn't because I'm not paying 300 pesos to watch friendlies when I can go out <laughs> and enjoy the weekend with my girlfriend instead. Well. Uh, there, there was a, a first half in which both teams were not very accurate in their passes, with River, Boca, River and Boca turning into the, the well, dominance and being perhaps a bit, at first River, then Boca, but with no clear uh, team being better than the other one. Mm -hmm. uh, and well, in the 40th minute, there was a, a play that uh, apparently would end in, end in nothing, but uh, uh, Santo Borre made a very good 1-2 uh, play with uh, Skoko and he shot at the first uh, I mean the first pole mm -hmm. that well, was not well covered by Agustin Rossi and after that River in the second half was clearly better with uh, managing the ball quite well Boca not being able to 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 click to, to create any, any major major chances with Tevez and uh, Wanchope Avila in the second half, they were together, yeah. uh, apparently 30 minutes they played together and well, well they weren't able to to take any danger to, to the to the goal uh, that in, uh, in that match was uh, defended by, by Lux. So Rafael Santos Borre is the fourth Colombian who caused a major headache for Boca last week. Oh. Well, hey, um, and yeah, as as you made the point, he played, which 
surely he's not going to once Prato is up to speed. Um, and Luke's played in goal in that game. Um, and this is why I made the point that Franco Armani in particular was signed really not particularly efficiently by River because they were chasing Armani and they were chasing um, Prato from quite early on in the transfer window, if not from before the start of the transfer window. I mean, in Armani's case, they were chasing him at this time last year and then in the middle of last year as well. Um, these are signings that uh, really arguably should have been tied up a month ago yes. so that these players could have been training right from the beginning of pre-season and, and be ready and have had a couple of friendlies under their belt by this point going into uh, the first weekend back of, of, of league action this weekend um, so it's sort of River as I say have, they've made some headlines they've signed some, some good players don't get me wrong uh, but they and could have done it in a more organised manner and, yes. and you know it's something that River has already had uh, this difficulty to to get the players there at the moment they, they should uh, get uh, because of the money they offer and it's not enough because they want to change the the way of paying or because mm. the other team changes something well the point is that River always has uh, problems to sign the players to uh, get uh, to be at the whole precision uh, to train with their teammates and, and and to be prepared to 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 be in the starting lineup when they want yeah um, and today it was uh, known that Apparently, Bruno Zuccolini will be also signed by River. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten about that. He's not on this list. But, yeah. How was, um, um, what do you think of that? From well, Verona, it's, right? it's a question mark because he has played in a lot of teams with 24 years. Uh, I don't remember exactly the... Is he only 24? Yes. And a lot of teams. Wow. Well, of course, Manchester City, but he didn't have any many, <laughs> many space there. Uh, his last team, where he was about to leave today or these days is Helios Verona from in Italy yeah. and, and he also played in Greece well I don't remember exactly and he's, he's one of the positions yes. that River needed to, um, to to sign in and, and that River were looking at signing he's not Damian Musto who was the first choice I think for number 5 and then the second choice for number 5 was oh, no it's oh. gone I had that sentence prepared in my head and the name has slipped out so I can't say it um, but yeah he, he's not one of those first two choices but I guess he adds to the squad and, and as we said several times last year one of River's problems was they had almost nothing beyond the starting 11 with the possible exception of Ulises de la Cruz um, so you know they look stronger now um, obviously I haven't seen any friendlies but I'm just talking about on paper uh, one question I did want to ask you as somebody who has watched some of River's friendlies Andres is how are Camilo Machada and Lucas Martinez Cuarta looking? Because they both, effectively, they're like new signings for River for this season. Well, obviously, they were banned yes. for eight months for um, failing a doping test during the Libertadores group stage last year, and that ended up affecting River's Libertadores run quite seriously. Um, how are they looking? Well, Lucas Martinez Cuarta looked incredibly uh, good. He was fast and. and and uh, careful, or I mean, sh- uh, secure with with the the ball and 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 the, and the crosses he had to to make to well quit balls and and to uh, defend. <laughs> in fact, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, he looked as he weren't uh, as he, as if as if he hadn't been suspended. And Camilo Machado still couldn't play, or well, Gallardo decided him uh, not to play. Uh, I. Th- 
I I expect him to be more in a midfield position and not as a right back yeah. as he usually played. As now Gonzalo Montiel is there and he's doing good. Yeah. Even when he well, Montiel either is not a natural right back. He's but apparently Montiel is now going to be preferred to uh, Jorge Moreira. Moreira right is injured well. and he will have ah, a lot right. of it. Still okay. one month more, I think. Great. One more month uh, to recover and to be one hundred percent fit. So yes, today Montiel is the starting uh, uh, in a starting lineup as a number four, as a well right back. Mm. And Machada still didn't have the opportunity to play, so we have to check there that uh, whenever he he plays. Moving on, Racing are the third of the big five club, um, and the third of the three who who, as I said, have sort of gone for the headlines. Um, in making signings Chacho Coldet has come in as the manager the former Rosario Central boss who some of my Twitter followers will be aware my girlfriend refers to as Mr. Squarehead um, they have also I mean English Dan was not able to join us for this recording we're hopefully going to be meeting up with him for um, a bite to eat afterwards and I suspect he's going to be quite happy with some of these signings Alejandro Donati has come in from Cholos, but he was previously at Central, I believe, under Caldet, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, um, and, and should add something in defence. Leonardo Sigali, uh, likewise, well, not likewise, he, he wasn't at Central under Caldet, and he hasn't come in from Cholos, he's come back from Dinamo Zagreb, um, but he should add something as well. And then the others, Neri Cardoso, is a really interesting signing in, in the midfield. Neri Dominguez, um, equally, and Ricky Centurion, I think, I mean, that's going to go in one of two ways, isn't it? We know how it's going to go off the pitch. It's going to go one of two ways on the pitch. Um, Given his history with the club, I think that he's going to knuckle down and and will probably play well. And he played well for Boca as well, to to such a point that he was on the edge of, on on the fringes of um, San Paoli's consideration for the national team. But... um, it's a dangerous game that you play by signing him at all times. Yes, the, the only thing I I I, I say mm, it's, it's difficult to to know how he will respond is because two days before he was signing his contract with Racing, he was apparently uh, with a lot of of well he was willing to play for Boca, mm. uh, and uh, two or three days after he was signing his contract with Racing and saying. I, I am coming home, uh, so it, it's hard to know how will he how he will react and how he will. Uh, of course, he, if he plays well and doesn't do anything very weird outside the pitch, it's of course a a, a, a very a, a great signing. Turning taking into account also that Lautaro Martinez is there, so they are mm. two very very good players. We will see whether Lautaro Martinez is still at Racing after June. Yeah, but he is but staying until at least June, yes. uh, which was confirmed, I think, before we ended recording last, last year, because I think we mentioned that. Um, so that's a huge boost for Racing in itself, particularly since today, apparently, Real Madrid have been linked with him. Um, that, one would assume, is going to result in a pretty big transfer fee when he goes. Uh, almost regardless of who he goes to, because now he, now he's up in anyway, Madrid. I see it. I see Real Madrid perhaps buying him and and, and sending him on loan because. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's what they do with. Uh, what I said, what I heard is that Real Madrid wants Robert Lewandowski and Icardi. 
Uh-huh. Uh, but Arturo Martinez won't be won't play won't be playing if, if Real Madrid signs those players, <laughs> of course. No, not not for a couple of years anyway. Um, Independiente, well, yeah, we're not going to go through, sorry, um, all of the names of the players who Racing have let go, but to me, basically, just looking at them on the screen here, I think they're just cutting out Deadwood from the squad, um, by and large. I, I think that I, I don't think any Racing fans are going to be com- complaining too much about any of those outgoings. Um, Independiente have signed some players, but I'm struggling to get excited about any of them. Again, it's a shame that Peter couldn't join us this week. Uh, Cristiano Ortiz has come in from Sporting Cristal I can't tell you anything about him to be honest Brian Cabezas has come in from Atalanta the name rings a bell but I can't think where he's from he's Equatorian he played for uh, Nevinder Valle when they were finalists of the Copa Libertadores I think 2016 well, well remembered yeah um, and then two Argentines Emmanuel Brites from Union and Brian Romero from Argentinos Juniors both good players don't get me wrong Neither of them are going to get the fans particularly excited at the moment um, because, as much as anything, the big news, obviously, having won the Copa Sudamericana, um, having won a Continental Cup, it's always difficult for Argentine clubs to then keep the, team, the whole team together. Um, Neri Dominguez has left. Um, in fact, he's gone to Racing <laughs> via uh, going back to Querétaro. He was on loan, I think, from Querétaro and he's now gone to Racing. So he's he's travelled somewhere in the region of 18,000 kilometres in order to um, to move 200 metres up the road in terms of the stadium. Um, and there the, the two big outgoings are Ezequiel Barco, who all of our American listeners um, will already be aware has signed for an MLS record transfer fee for Atlantic United of $15 million, which is in, well, obviously in MLS terms it's huge because it's a record, and in Argentine terms these days it's huge as well. Um, and Nicolas Tagliafico signed for Ajax and was man of the match on his debut in the Classica which is the Dutch name for Classico because um, they're really original in, in the Dutch language uh, it's a shame Remy's not here I keep saying it's a shame people aren't here um, so well done Nicolas Tagliafico uh, for getting straight there and he and, was I know. think uh, there was a standing ovation when he left yeah. I mean whenever a player goes abroad and you assume it's a step up, particularly if they're going to Europe, and you sort of think, well, he looks like a very good player at this level, he's on the verge of the national team, and this is going to be a step up. I hope he manages to do well. So, man of the match in the biggest fixture on the on the Dutch football calendar um, is a pretty impressive way to make your debut. So, well done, Nicolas Tagliafico. And one suspects that if he does equally well um, at, throughout his time at, at Ajax, um, that Jorge Sampaoli is going to have him nailed on and there there will be a bigger team I mean Ajax is a big team in the whole in, in Dutch league but I imagine him playing I don't know in quite a big team I don't know Valencia in Spain for example mm. or Atletico de Madrid or in, I don't know in in, in Italy a, a perhaps bigger team in Europe I he's, mean Ajax he's 25 isn't he so he's there's certainly 24 or 25 so that there is definitely scope Strange. If he does well at Ajax to get a, another move up in inverted commas without, of course, any intention to offend any of our Dutch Ajax supporting listeners. It is strange for an Argentinian, Argentinian player to have his first experience abroad having 25 years or 24. Well, I guess it is a bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's yes. particularly in the last decade or so, decade and a half. Um, yeah, but increasingly people coming back or 
you know, well, yeah, coming back for the first time at that age after we are talking about Bruno Colini by 24 years yeah. and coming back after a lot of teams having played. Uh, uh, so yes, interesting. And there is a per some news that aren't there because it's not updated mm-hmm. about signings uh, for Independiente. One is the signing of Jonathan Menendez from Talleres. Oh the, yeah, that's uh, the striker. Talleres is being disarmed because uh, Emmanuel Reynoso, Bebelo Reynoso, was about to sign for Independiente, and he finally will be playing for Boca. Yes, he will. And that, although we forgot to mention it earlier, because it's not on this list, as, as uh, Andres says, um, is another ex- uh, an- another signing that if I were a Boca fan, I'd be excited about because he's a very very good little player. Um, but yes, we were talking about Independiente. And you were mentioning Menendez. So, he's not Barco. It's not like for like. I think Leandro Fernandez is going to be replacing him. It, 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 um, the reason that I say this is because Independiente actually are in action tonight. The Superliga doesn't re-begin, restart on Friday. It restarts um, in about 40 minutes, no, 50 minutes time. 10 past 9 on Wednesday evening. Um, because Independiente Rosario Central, which is the match that was... Um, postponed from the 11th round of fixtures due to Independiente being in the Copa Sudamericana is going to be played tonight um, and then on, on Friday the, the rest of the calendar begins obviously. Um, tonight I think Leandro Fernandez is going to be replacing replacing in inverted commas Barco or stepping into Barco's role. But Independiente I think it's as I said the signings don't strike me as being like oh that's a really good one um, but it's just a matter of quietly just trying to improve the squad, trying to, to keep things stable, because, yeah, they've lost Barco, they've lost Tagliafico, but, I mean, replacing Tagliafico, they've got Gaston Silva, who's a Uruguay international at left-back, so that's hardly much of a step down. Um, and taking Barco out of that line of three attacking midfielders still leaves Maxi Mesa and Martin Benitez, who were playing fantastically um, last season, so there is no reason that Independiente should be too downhearted at having lost these two key players um, I think that they can continue to go from strength to strength San Lorenzo we've really said everything about San Lorenzo already because as I said they've not really done anything in the transfer window um, so the main players for the rest of the league this is where things get complicated because there are so many of them but really quickly Huracan lost one chop Abla to Boca they have replaced Abila sorry not Abla um, they have replaced him with Ricardo Noir of Racing um, hmm. I think it's fair to say Ricardo Noir is not as good a striker as Ramon Avila um, so I'm not entirely sure that that's going to go well for them but yeah neither him nor, nor Chavez he's the other one that wasn't at the photo photograph in the in this site hmm. uh, are are the strikers uh, or perhaps number nine they are Playing in similar positions as as, as wings yeah. or, or uh, uh, the strikers that play at the uh, from a side, so they don't. They, neither of them replace Abid, I think. No, exactly. I mean, I, you're right. Actually, I, I think of Noir as a number nine because I'm convinced he played there when he first broke into the Boca first team. He came through a Boca, yes. didn't he? Um, for a couple of months, but you're right. He, he's played much more on the wing since then. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, an interesting one. Central, Rosario Central, have got potentially one of the signings of the summer because they have repatriated 
Actually, I'm not sure whether repatriated is the right verb when we're talking about a Paraguay international, is it? But he was born in Argentina, so maybe it is. Um, they brought Nestor Ortigosa back to Argentina anyway. He went, you might remember, from San Lorenzo a year ago or 18 months ago. I don't remember exactly. Or six months ago, I can't remember. He left San Lorenzo at some point in the last I think one you know, year. little amount of time um, and went to Olympia of his homeland. Is that the right word? Yes. This is very confusing. Um, and he has now joined Central. He got quite a serious knee injury um, in a friendly against Tacheres, I think, um, at the weekend, which means that he's going to be missing this match tonight and probably this weekend's match as well um, but after that he, sh- he should be back and he should add something to a central midfield that I thought looked a bit flat at times during the first half of the season um, Gustavo Coleman has gone so the Coleman and Musto duo which caused those of us who are aware of what Coleman's English mustard is um, some mirth at least if you're me yeah, very easily satisfied sense of humour um, is is no more unfortunately at central Um Newell's old boys just across Rosario have, interestingly, I find this really interesting because a player who I've got in my WhatsApp um, oh. contacts, uh, the, the son of a school friend of my girlfriend's dad, Nguyen Paz, has gone to Serie A, he's moving to Bologna. Um, so that's uh, nice for him. Um, and otherwise, the players coming in are pretty unspectacular former Newell's players Hernan Bernardello is coming in from Montreal in fact Denis Rodriguez was loaned to River and is coming back from River uh, having not really done very much I've got that the right way around haven't I he, he was injured Montreal. seriously the last summer uh, and when he came back he wasn't taken into account for, by, by Gallardo so he yes, he played two or three matches and, and this is it yeah uh, and Fabrizio Fontanini comes in from O'Higgins. Fontanini was... Uh, which club was he at before? San Lorenzo? San Lorenzo. And Atletico Rafaela. Ah, uh, Rafaela is where I remember him from. Thank you, yes. Uh, the main Baja, or outward transfer, um, is Mauro Gevgersian, the Armenian named... Um, Uruguayan, sorry, um, striker, who we mentioned a few times last season because he started quite well when he first came onto the pitch for Newell's. I, I get the impression he got a couple of goals in his first four or five games or something and put himself about a bit. And he then really didn't do very much after that and he struggled to settle a bit. He's gone to Belgrano, which I think is an interesting signing all round and I hope he does well there because I quite liked what I saw of him. Yes. And Mauricio Tevez, do you remember him? Yes, he, he made his debut... Scoring against Boca. Yeah, at the age of 18, in La Bombonera, the only goal of the game. It was a cracking goal. Um, that, I was slightly shocked to learn uh, the other day, it was three and a half years ago. Uh, it feels like it was yesterday. And he is now dropping down a division to sign for Instituto de Córdoba, um, who are one of the bigger teams and one of the better teams in the Bay Nacional, it's true. But, um, well, well how the that's where Paulo Dybala started. Yeah. So, you never know. Indeed. Um, so interesting outgoings from Lanús, uh, from Newell's, sorry, Lanús, the Copa Libertadores runners-up at the end of last season, have had a bit of a clear-out slash demolition job done on them. Um, first of all, Jorge Almiron left to become the manager of Las Palmas, and he was then told he couldn't be the manager of Las Palmas by the RFEF, the Royal um, Spanish Football Federation. Um, because he hadn't been manager manager 
not because assistant manager jobs don't count, um, of a top flight team for five years. He had five years management experience, but some of that was in the second division in Mexico. Um, so he wasn't allowed to take charge of a La Liga club, which is a bit of a silly rule when we're talking about somebody who just taken a side to the final of the biggest cup competition in South America. But still, um, that was denied. And so he went to Colombia and has signed as the manager of the 2016 Libertadores champions Atletico Nacional. And with him, he decided to take Fernando Monetti, the Lanús goalkeeper, and Diego Braggieri, uh, both of whom would probably have signed for Las Palmas if Albiron had been allowed to go in there. So it's funny how things work out, isn't it? As we mentioned, because it, that, the, uh, the new manager was already confirmed before we knew where Almiron was going, so we did talk about this a little bit at the end of last year. Um, Ezequiel Kelly Carboni is the new manager. They've only brought in Gonzalo Di Renzo, um, who was on loan to Patronato and has come back. Oh, and they went past, so he's not going to be playing in Serie A after all. Looks like they've loaned him from Bologna, according to this list. <laughs> But is his, perhaps is, is this the last update? Perhaps perhaps uh, he was on, uh, going to play for Lanús and finally play will play for Bologna or well perhaps this is true and and his transfer to Bologna wasn't uh, confirmed and well we don't know we'll find out. There's only one way of finding out and that well that, there are two ways of several ways of finding out but I can't be bothered to Google it now so we'll just wait and see what happens this weekend. Um, Maxi Velasquez is also off they didn't renew his contract Jose Sanders left for Colombia but not for Atletico Nacional he's gone to Deportivo Cali um, funny story about Jose Sanders' transfer uh, window which I'm assuming that you heard as well Andres so I'll let you tell it yeah, there was a discussion between him and the and the president you mean that? no no I was talking about the social media um, unveiling uh, no. for Nacional so he was going to sign for Nacional in Uruguay um, and they uh, had him sort of walk into the, the club premises and everything and hold up a Nacional shirt with his name and number on the back and they announced it on Twitter and then it fell through and then the next day um, one of the other I think Colombia it might actually have been Deportivo Cali um, the first time round did the same thing they announced him on Twitter and then it turned out the contract hadn't been signed and the deal looked like it was on the ropes um, and, and was reported as having fallen through at which point Basically, every non-top flight club in South America started putting on their top uh, on their Twitter feeds that they had signed Jose Sand with photos like "Welcome to the club, Jose Sand" and everything. Uh, it was really, really funny. And he has eventually, it would appear, according to this list, he has signed for Deportivo Cali. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. So that was entertaining, and in spite of my yeah, because apart from that, there was a discussion between Sand and Nicolas Russo, the, the mm. president of Lanús. Uh, in which Sand basically treated Russo as a liar. Uh, tell the supporters the truth once, at least. Uh-huh. So uh, it was like because uh, Russo uh, somehow he said somehow that Sand uh, uh, went to the Portugal because of the money, and Sand said it this wasn't true. Uh, well, this discussion in the media. Uh, so I thought you you meant that you meant yeah. that, but no. I mean, Sam spent a while in on the Arab Peninsula playing somewhere. I don't want to say in Saudi Arabia because I can't remember which league it was in. Yeah. But I would have thought his bank balance is all right after that. Yes. You know, he, he doesn't, as far as I'm aware, live a massively he bought flamboyant horses. lifestyle. He, when, when he was playing for River, he, he bought some horses. 
uh, with the money. So he wasn't so need, mm. needed with the money of money. No, exactly. Um, anyway, yeah, Banfield, very short trip away, and obviously Nanu's main rivals um, have been very quiet in the transfer market. Really, just Danilo Ortiz in from Godoy Cruz. Luciano Sibeli has retired. And Mauricio Asenjo has gone to Gimnasia de Jujuy. It's a bit of a weird one in Argentina because you do get this. You don't really see it in European leagues, players retiring in the middle of the season. Um, but in Argentina, where you have the summer, I guess it gives you a while to think about, you know, you spend it with your family, you spend Christmas and New Year with your family, and you think, oh, actually, this is quite nice. Maybe I'll just retire now. I won't bother with the rest of the season. Um, but there's, there are people thinking the, the end of the year as the end of the season. Mm. I think even when yeah, it's precisely. not like that because we're, even we probably already on this podcast have referred to this right now as pre-season uh, and yeah, certainly I apologise for the engine noise welcome back to Hand of Pod um, you know it, it, that's how the, the Argentine media refer to it as as well even though it's actually mid-season break ending something or other um, in La Plata Estudiantes have signed a bunch of players of whom the most interesting to me from a pretty uninteresting list um, looks like, I don't know, Gaston Jimenez maybe, from Godoy Cruz defender, if I remember rightly it's been a long time since I watched any football um, Israel Damonte has, has rescinded his contract, he's actually gone to Huracan, um, so he's a loss in midfield, and Gaston Gil Romero has gone to Patronato which is an interesting move down um, he was on loan at uh, Barcelona, the Ecuador, one of the Ecuadorian clubs. I can't remember which one. Um, so, a fair few names in for Estudiantes, but as I say, none of them really particularly stand out. Oh, Matias Lavas back, former Argentinos Juniors youngster, um, who went to Vancouver Whitecaps. He's now back in Argentina. Uh, Gimnasia have brought in Facundo Sava as manager, which should be interesting to watch because Sava's previous teams have always been forward-looking let's say, and that, in some cases, has been putting it quite mildly. Um, he is, by and large, trying to work with the squad that he has been given, um, but he has signed Facundo Pereira from Necaxa. Um, other than that, he's cut out some deadwood in the squad, and that's about all I think we can really say about Gimnasia's transfer business. Um, Belgrano have, as I say, signed Mauro Gibgeosian, from Newell's and Jonas Aguirre in from um, Central, who could add something to the midfield. Looked good, and I then he, his performances perhaps went tailed off. Went a bit. Yeah, um, could go either way. Tacheres, obviously, as we say, have lost Emmanuel Reynoso. They had already lost Sebastian Palacios to Pachuca and Menendez, and now Jonathan Menendez as well to Independiente. They've had their squad gutted, really, haven't they? Um, they have brought in a Samuel so I'm a big fan of this I, I like this there are not many Samuels in Argentina but there is one more now an 18 year old Venezuelan defender um, from Deportivo Táchira called Samuel Sosa and they have brought Joel Sonora back from this is what it says on the list of incoming transfers we're looking at Germany um we're not going to go into Joel Sonora just now because we have had a listener question about that transfer, so we will come to him later on. Um, do not worry, Arch, we're going to get to you. Um, otherwise, let's see, let's keep going down quickly. Colón in Santa Fe 
Um, Eduardo Dominguez has renewed his contract for 18 months, but he was already that the manager. Is, that anyway. is not a, an inc- incoming. It's not an incoming, is it? No, I started reading that and then realised that uh, that was bollocks. Um, Alan Ruiz is back. Oh, I like watching him when he was at Colón before, so that's nice. Javier Correa. Not the Javier Correa, obviously. The Gold Cruz uh, striker, but that he, he was a rumour, not, not confirmed, I think. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not really letting anybody go for the moment. Um, Union have brought in somebody called Rodrigo Gomez from Toluca, who I can't say I'm familiar with. Um, and as we said, they've let Emmanuel Brites go to Independiente. Juan Rivas has rescinded his contract. Um, but Union were pretty solid before, as indeed were Colón. Both the Santa Fe sides were doing well. So it's no real surprise, I don't think, that, that their transfer business has, has been seems to have been concentrated more on keeping the players they already had. Um, Vélez, we've already talked about, uh, particularly about Mauro Sarate and about Gabriel Hainsey's appointment as boss. They should be somewhat more fun to watch, hopefully, this year. Um, and we're left with some of these smaller clubs, in inverted commas, no offence to anybody, from Greater Buenos Aires. Defensa y Justicia have brought in Nahuel Molina from Boca Juniors, which should give him more playing time. And he, I think he's the kind of player who should fit nicely into the quite forward-looking system. Uh, right back, if I remember yes. rightly. Yeah? Um, Same as was said that uh, he... Uh, when mm. he was a Boca player, uh, Boca was the owner of, of, of Bouzat, then uh, went to Defensa Justicia, and when he came back to Boca, didn't play very much. So now I think he will have more minutes. Yeah. Um, Chacarita Juniors have named Sebastián Pena as um, manager. They've signed Federico Bismarra for the midfield from Racing, and Facundo Rodriguez from, and again, this is what it says here, Norway. Um, Walter Cochete has left as the manager. I read a story about that, and I can't remember what it was. So, that was interesting for you, wasn't it? Um, yes, we are just going down the list now, I realise. Arsenal de Sarandi are rubbish. Sergio Rodina has come in as boss, and that's about all that's happened. Um, because Rondina uh, appears to think that he wants to work with the squad that he's got. In truth... What Arsenal need in the transfer window is an entirely new starting eleven and an entirely new bench, but they can't buy that. Afford. So I think Rondina's just sort of they putting a brave face on it. Arsenal can't also afford a coach, I think, because Rondina was the one before uh, Grondona was there, so he's back. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, you're right. I've forgotten about that. Tempele have brought Fernando Brandan back from Melbourne City I remember when he went to Melbourne City I can't remember much of his time in Argentina before that. Uh, if you're Australian and you want to tell us how Brandan did during his time at Melbourne get in touch, tweet us and let us know and we'll read out your tweet next week um, Godoy Cruz Diego Dabove has signed as manager this is an interesting one because I'd never heard of him until I did a transfer roundup for my blog a couple of days ago I googled him, found out who he was he is a former goalkeeper. He had to retire due to a shoulder injury, I think it was, uh, when he was 27. And he went into coaching. And he has been an assistant coach to quite a lot of the sort of big, old um, generation of managers who we complained about getting all the jobs a fair bit when we started Hand of Pod, when it was myself and Australian Dan and English Dan. Um, Miguel Angel Russo, 
he was his assistant manager. He was goalkeeping coach for Boca for Racing. He was assistant manager for Boca and for somebody else. And then he went to Mexico as assistant manager for somebody, I think, as well, if I remember rightly. So he basically just had a lower league goalkeeping career. He never played above, I don't think, the third division. Um, but has sort of been a pretty well thought of assistant coach or goalkeeping coach for some time and he took over Godoy Cruz's reserves this time last year so this is an appointment from within um, similar story to Subeldia the one who was the coach yeah. of Lanús yeah yeah uh, and uh, I Subeldia mean, went into first team management almost almost immediately but yeah very in terms of the playing style uh, the, the, the playing story is the same age in fact because Subeldia was 27 when he retired yes. wasn't he Some similar yes yeah well remembered um, so that's an interesting one more interesting than either of the players they brought in Diego Riolfo or Halis Elias from Newell's um, so yeah San Martin have not signed anybody Mauricio Casiera has uh, rescinded his contract and that's about it but they might possibly be signing Santiago Salcedo si- si- Santiago Silva sorry yeah. um, the very very angry bald headed Uruguayan who you might remember smashing in goals from not very far out at all uh, quite a lot with as I say a lot of anger on his face for Belles Southfield and Boca Juniors a few years ago uh, I'd really like to see him back in, in Argentina I enjoyed watching him he was the sort of centre forward who zero subtlety but just an awful lot of goals Atletico Tucumán we mentioned Douglas Batasha coming in from River earlier um, he is the you know, marquee signing I think it's fair to say but Neri Leches coming in from Newell's should be interesting as well up to the midfield um, and it's just going to be more of the same for them They're, they've not let anybody go at all Olimpo uh, uh, not very good and they've signed a bunch of players who I suspect are not very good um, but Christian Macias as the coach yeah that's former Newcastle United man that is interesting it is, isn't and it? And he was Bellas manager, man, not manager, the sports uh, manager. Yes, he was. Um, he's now been been named as manager. So, yeah, you're right, actually. I, that hadn't occurred to me. It's, the, it's his first job in management, I think. Um, so we'll see how that goes. He's, it, it's a brave first job to take in management, taking charge of an absolutely awful team who are probably going to be relegated. Um, Patronato. Actually, that's unfair. We'll have a look at the league table because I might be misremembering how it is, but I think Olimpo are going to be relegated. Um, Patronato have brought in, as we mentioned, Gaston Gil Romero. They've also brought in Maximiliano Nunez from Missionarios of Colombia, and that is all of their transfer news. How many more of these teams are there? Bloody hell, Tigre. <sighs> Any of these names stand out? Yes, Walter Montillo has signed for Tigre from Botafogo. I've no idea how they managed to do that. Matias no, but the Montillo finally, is, uh, his signing is not confirmed because of a, an injury he suffered in a oh, friendly. Oh, yes, you're right. He got a knee injury, didn't he? That was how they managed to do it because he had a 2017 that was ravaged by injury. Yes. Uh, he got three injuries to the same knee in a very short space of time for Botafogo and Tigre decided to take a chance on him. Thank you for reminding me, Andres. So... What we have here, in fact, is a tweet on screen with Tigre unveiling him, and shortly afterwards he picked this injury up and he might now decide to retire. It was only on a six-month contract anyway, um, and he doesn't want to cause Tigre any more sort of pain, I guess, than uh, since he knows that he might not be the most uh, fit-for-purpose player in the world. Matias Perez Acuna has come in from Vélez. I think he played for Tigre before, if I remember rightly, so he knows the club. Um, and otherwise, the signings look I mean for the level Tigre are operating at that's okay yeah. I would say 
Um, crucially, they have let Ricardo Caruso Lombardi go as manager. He's been replaced by Christian Ledesma. English Dan will be very disappointed to hear this news. I'm delighted, as you will all have worked out. Um, Argentinos Juniors, Lucas Barrios, one of the signings of the season, and easily, um, I think it's fair to say, the smallest club of the ones in the Primera um, to have made a really, really big signing. That might be a little bit harsh, given that Argentinos have won the Copa Libertadores and Rosario Central have not. Um, but uh, in terms of, of members and size of stadium and so on, uh, is, is what I meant. Uh, Barrios, of course, was an Argentinos Juniors youth product. He's also a Paraguay international and has played for Borussia Dortmund and... Um, Colo Colo, Gremio. Yeah, uh, and when he went to China, he was very, very briefly, if I remember rightly, the best paid player in the world for Guangzhou Evergrande, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, he, he just won the Libertadores with Gremio and he is now returning to his... Uh, his boyhood team, apparently due to a family problem. We will have to see how he responds with 33 years, of course. Uh, well, as you said, he has become champion of the Copa Libertadores with Gremio. I don't know whether he played a lot of uh, Copa Libertadores, but anyway, it's a, a great signing for Argentina Juniors. Indeed. Looking forward to seeing how that goes. We have lasted right through nap time as Buster Bluth might put it um, because I've just realised we've been recording for an hour already we normally try to take a break around 40-45 minutes in I apologise for that but as I mentioned a couple of times there are too many clubs in this league and that was a really long transfer list even though we were trying to get through it really quickly Um, we're going to go away we're going to refill our neck glasses I'm going to have a couple of biscuits because I'm really hungry Um, and when we come back we will answer more than a few quite a lot of listeners' questions, so don't go away. Okay, we have some results that we can talk about because I have managed to find a page with the results from Summer Friendlies by Argentine clubs, at least for the sort of semi-officially sanctioned Torneos de Verano, which basically involved the big clubs um, and one or two rivalries from from some of the non-big clubs. Um, They started on the 11th of January, they ran up to Sunday just gone, and those results were as follows. San Lorenzo beat Defensa Justicia 3-1. Huracan beat Banfield 1-0. These are in Mar del Plata. In... Uh, I think that's in Cordoba, isn't it? Yeah, that is. Uh, Tacheres and Atletico Tucumán drew 0-0 before Atletico Tucumán won 4-3 in a penalty shootout because a lot of these friendlies have got friendly um, trophies uh, which need a winner, obviously, attached to them. So some of these draws ended in penalty shootouts and some didn't. In Bajo Flores, San Lorenzo beat Argentinos 2-1. Um, Independiente drew with Gimnasia 0-0 in Mar del Plata. Gimnasia then won on penalties 5-3. Rosario Central and Lanús drew 1-1 in Santa Fe in Colón Stadium for some reason. That's a very unusual Torneo de Verano venue. Um, 
Central beat Lanus 8-7 on penalties. That sounds like an entertaining shootout. Boca Juniors lost 2-3 to Godoy Cruz in Mendoza. Um, Racing lost 1-0 to Tempele Mar del Plata. Um, Huracan beat San Lorenzo 2-0 in the Clásico um, in Mar del Plata. Rodrigo Pires and Mauro Bogado scoring the goals. That's unfortunate for Pires because he's actually a San Lorenzo player. It was an own goal. Um, there was then a friendly between Belgrano and Tacheres in the Mario Kempes, which did not have a penalty shootout after it, even though it finished all square, because it was the Copa de la Amistad, or Copa Amistosa, or something like that, uh, the, the, the Friendship Cup, because they're trying to make a big thing of how they're rivals, not enemies, uh, particularly, of course, after somebody was killed at one Belgrano so, Tacheres last year. So they, they think that they not uh, defining this match on penalties will make them be more friends. Well, the thing is, this kind of amused me because obviously I wasn't watching the game, but I happened to be on Twitter just after it finished. And there were a couple of journalists on Cordoba who were complaining on Twitter about the fact that they had been sitting around in the stands still expecting the penalty shootout to start. <laughs> and then the players had just started walking off after sort of shaking hands and everything. And they were like, we're not getting a penalty shootout. This is an outrage. And I was thinking, no, it's a pre-season friendly, guys. This is exactly how it should be <laughs> just shut up and stop complaining um, that one actually uh, looks like it had quite a dramatic finish though because Jonathan Menende- Menendez scored what presumably is his final goal for Tacheres uh, in the 87th minute and Eric Godoy equalised for Belgrano in the 90th minute um, Boca Juniors and Aldo Civi drew 2-2 and Aldo Civi then won 4-2 on penalties in Mar del Plata Banfield and Newells drew 1-1 with Newells winning 4-3 on penalties Racing and Independiente drew 2-2 and Independiente won 3-1 on penalties um, Banfield Newells was in Santa Fe again in Union Stadium and uh, Racing Independiente was in Mar del Plata San Lorenzo and Gimnasia drew 1-1 and there were no penalty shootouts in um, Cordoba again and Boca Juniors River Plate on Sunday as we mentioned already um, was a 1-0 win for River which interestingly means the Boca, who lead the league and look like they've made some very good signings and generally strengthened their team and ought to be one of the teams to beat this year, didn't win any of their three friendlies, did they? They've got one one draw and two defeats. To, lost to River, lost to Godoy Cruz, drew with Aldo City, and then lost on penalties. But we're not going to count that. Um, which is something I haven't really considered before. As well as those ones, by the way, obviously, if you've been listening really carefully, River only featured there once right at the end they they did play a couple of friendlies um, in Miami or somewhere didn't they on the training camp against Independiente Santa Fe which they won 2-1 they and lost against, yes and they lost 2-1 yes and against another Colombian side Miami, they no they played against Miami not the uh, oh okay they, they won but much attention it was closed doors friendly and about, about closed doors the River knows already knows that they will have to play against Flamengo mm-hmm. Uh, the first match of the Copa Libertadores in the Maracana uh, with no no supporters because it will be also no supporters at all it's a punishment for Flamengo just to be clear not for River Um, but River fans won't be allowed in either Uh, that is because of incidents uh, between the the support yes before the final Uh surprise surprise given that it's an Argentine club visiting Brazil the police always manage to do something um so those were the results, and we said we were going to answer listeners' questions, didn't we? I was trying to remember what the other thing was. Here we go, then. We've had loads of them 
So, La Liga Gav says, glad to have you back. Thank you very much, Gav. Jamie says, for new followers to the pod, and apologies if you've covered this before, but what are the essential English language books on Argentine football? I've started with Angels with Dirty Faces by Jonathan Wilson. What should I move on to next? I have already replied to Jamie um, with a link to one of these. The truth is there are not very many options. Angels with Dirty Faces is the only one that covers everything um, and that covers it sort of in, in depth, let's say, in English. Um, the others are Super Classico by Joel Richards, who is uh, one of us, indeed. Well, occasionally one of us. It's a good while since he's been on Hand of Pod, but we love him dearly and, and hope that he comes back one day. Um, which is available as an ebook from Amazon. And uh, a, a friend of Hand of Pod, uh, Neil Clack, who wrote an, a history of the England Argentina rivalry uh, called Animals which is a title that he himself has said he's not particularly happy with, but the publisher forced it upon him. The other option is for you to buy The Ball is Round by David Goldblatt and read the South America sections. Beyond that, you're thrashing about a bit. Uh, let me add something that has not to do with uh, uh, Argentine football. Uh, an English book, or, sorry, an Argentinian football book written in English, mm-hmm. but it has to do with, uh, you mentioned... Angels with Dirty Faces, the, the Jonathan Wilson book, mm. and I reckon having read uh, a piece by English Dan for the New York, New, Buenos Aires Times, New York, the Buenos Aires Times, uh, noticing about the, the Grafico shutting down. Yes, uh, the, the sports, point, yeah. yeah, the sports uh, Argentinian sports magazine that started as a, a general information magazine or social magazine, and and was about to to have their 100th anniversary. Yeah, May next year they would have turned 100. Yes, and finally closed. So, and and I reckon from that piece of piece by by Dan, there's that uh, Jonathan Wilson said that he to 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 write that book, his book, uh, he helped uh, have support oh, he had from a lot that. Of, yeah, yeah, he he managed to wangle some access to their archives and found yes. it tremendously. Um, Useful, yeah. So it, it's a real loss to uh, yes. to sports writing, not just in Argentina. In fact, across South America, really. Yes, it's possibly possibly behind France Football is is the most influential football magazine worldwide. The the, the remarkable or, or incredible thing about closing it right now is that it was four months, five months uh, to the World Cup. Mm. So it's just an, an difficult yeah. to understand. It is. Um, thank you for that uh, addendum. And also, actually relating as well to Angels with Dirty Faces, um, um, one of them died recently. I can't remember which one. But one of the Carasusias um, passed away last week. And I've forgotten the name. I should have looked it up. Hang on, let's Google and see whether it's showing up on, on Google News. Give me a second. The one who died was El Panadero Diaz. Also. Yes, that's what I was, who I was thinking of, yes. Can you remember his actual first name? Ruben. Thank you, Ruben Diaz. Uh, he died last week or the week before, I think. Um, it's Oh, I was going to look in news, wasn't I? Here we go. Let's get the exact date. Uh, because that's something that we should mention and didn't. Um, on the... Oh, the 7th of January. Blimey. Okay, my memory is playing tricks with me. But uh, it was a bit further, longer ago than I thought. But it's happened since we last recorded. So, RIP, QEDP. No, hang on. QEPD. That's the right way around to say that in Spanish. Uh, Chris 
Hartley says, outside the five grandes, which teams have had the best summer transfer business? Outside the five grandes, I think, we, well, we sort of covered it already, but I would say Vélez and Argentinos. Because of their strikers. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, because of Lucas Barrios for Argentinos, who could very well do wonderful things for them. And Vélez as well for, for Heinze, if he turns out well. Um, Nate Kubeta says, welcome back. Thank you very much, Nate. Can you identify some some of the top off-the-pitch items to watch this campaign, say the relegation change, away fans, Barras TV rights, FIFA trial, etc. I find a lot of them fascinating and much harder to follow in English than transfer slash results. So, first of all then, sorry for the first hour of this podcast, Nate. <laughs> um, and secondly, um, we will obviously be, be talking about all of these things um, in the next few months. But I would think, I mean, the FIFA trial, I'm not really sure at what stage it is. It's happening in New York and is, is, is being covered by, by um, journalists there as well so I would think that you'll be able to find that in, in English as well um, but the television rights thing is like I don't really know what's going on with the international rights the Argentine ones are fixed now that's done there's nothing really to talk about um, yes apparently they will well the, 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 the news of the rights with the rights that has to do with the rights is that they will uh, start a, a, to pay money to the teams taking into account the, the results they have, the positions in the table. Yeah, I'm not, I don't I'm know whether when they will uh, start to do that and it has not to do with international TV rights, have more to do with the uh, money that they will give to the teams in, in taking that into account. But yeah, it's a shame that they basically cede it to the bigger clubs by, by allowing that. Um, the relegation change is not going to be happening just yet. That it's the relegation system remains the same for this season. Um, what Claudio Tapia, the Argentine FA, sorry, I've got something in my throat, <coughs> president, did say a couple of weeks ago is that they're going to be phasing it out. So by 2020, um, by the 2020 season, which will be another February to December season, because the Argentine calendar is going to be put back into sync with the Libertadores calendar. Um, there will be no more promedios, which is wonderful yes. news. So happy about that. Uh, he 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 asked about the uh, away supporters. He did. Ah. That's not going to change. There is nothing to see there. Yes, um, but they they said that they will be back after the World Cup. Did they? Yes. Mind you, they said they'd be back after the election, and then they said yes. they'd be back after the local yes. elections, and then and so on. So we'll see. Um, and about sorry breath. about the FIFA trial, uh, there is an account of a journalist. That yes, well remembered him as who I was thinking of. Go on. The, yes, who, he's called Ken Bensing, Bensinger, who wrote wrote a book about that, and of course he's following that case. And who is tweeting um, yes. live updates from the trial in English and Spanish? Yes. So follow him. He's, yes. he's been very good. Ken Bensinger. So that you take it in. Yeah. Be. Ken, K-E-N-B-E-N-S-I-N-G-E-R um, is his Twitter handle. Um, and then, yeah, the Barras are going to be the same as ever. The AFA are going to be the same as ever as well. And that's one reason that this is a pretty vague answer. We can't really tell you now what the AFA are going to come up with to piss us off and give us to talk about off the pitch over the next six months. But there will be plenty. I mean, that, that's one thing that's always guaranteed in Argentine football. Um Lawrence Hart says, good to have you back. Thank you, Lawrence. The question for you, have Racing been hit with the bullet that Boca dodged in the signing of Ricky Centurion? You're a brave man by bringing guns into the discussion, Lawrence, when it comes to Ricky. Um, 
as I said, we, we'll see. It, off the pitch, as I said earlier, you know exactly how that signing is going to go. Uh, it's not going to be pretty, but on the pitch, it could be. It could be amazing, and he could be yes. thoroughly disinterested and ill-disciplined. And Kodot said that the obvious thing that the the group of the, the the squad will try to to help him to to be with him uh, to we say here contener contain. I don't know mm. if in English the same. Uh, Trying, not well, really, but I mean, I can't really think of how best to put it, but I understand yes. what you're saying. I, I think I listen as well as well. Yes, yeah. So it's it's a question of time. Yeah. Um, Lawrence also asks, have Racing chosen well in their new manager? Yeah. Yes. He did a good job at Central, um, and he played the kind of football that I think Racing's squad is quite well set out to to play. Um, so yes, I, I think he'll do well. Um, Carlos Palacios, your thoughts on the summer signings by Argentine clubs? I, we've spent quite long enough giving you our thoughts on that, so I think um, some of our listeners might get a bit annoyed if we continue to do that. Hopefully, Carlos, you find the first hour of the podcast informative, so I'm not going to apologise for it for you. Um, Sivan John says, would like to suggest that you include fans of Argentine football as a weekly guest on your show. Oh, that was in response to our request on Patreon. Um, I mean... On the one hand, we'd like to, but on the other hand, recording by Skype is a real pain in the bollocks and makes it so much harder to edit afterwards. So that's not going to happen, I'm afraid, Sivan, uh, John. Um, and he says, as for the donation part, I would be happy to contribute something since you guys are doing a tremendous job. Thank you for letting us know, John. And as I say, hopefully next week um, we will have a um, Patreon page up if and when we do, obviously look out for it on the Hand of Pod Twitter page. And look out for it on the Handapod Facebook page as well. Both of those are twitter.com slash handapod and facebook.com slash handapod. Really easy to remember. Um, Liam Kelly, no relation to me, says, Welcome back, had a great summer. It, it was all right, thanks, Liam. It was a bit work free because, you know, there's no football. Um, yes. And that meant, in my case, that it was money free as well. Um, but yeah, Andres, how was yours? Fine. I didn't ask you at the start. Couldn't complain. Sure. Good. Glad to hear it. Um, he also says I approve of the new logo I forgot to mention the new logo if you're oh, just yes. listening to this and you don't follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook you've missed out the beauty that is the Hand of Pod logo we've got two now and there's a new cover image which hopefully should be showing up for you right now if you're listening um, on your cellular telephone or tablet or computer um, please look at it and it shouldn't be you shouldn't get my freakishly long skinny fingers anymore holding a bottle of um, a glass of Fernet you should now see a nice vibrant bright um, 1990s happy acid dance uh, compilation inspired uh, Hand of Pod logo and if you're on Twitter you get a slightly different one which says H-O-P in a circle um, they took me hours to do uh, literally the, the first one the square one took me hours the second one was much more quickly because I had the hang of it but it's surprisingly difficult to draw an exactly straight line vertically or horizontally um, using the straight line tool on um, GIMP photo editing software I admit um, that the first time I, I saw it I become a, li- a bit dizzy <laughs> but then I got used to it and I think it's great I, I really liked it I wanted something a bit more yes. eye-catching so I, I'm glad that people do like it anyway uh, thank you for the positive feedback to all of our Twitter people who were retweeting it and faving it and approving of it. Nobody, bizarrely, said they didn't like it. So that was nice. Um, anyway, Liam says, I approve of the new logo. On that topic, Leeds United released their new club crest today. It's terrible. It, it is terrible. Um, so what are the best and worst Argentine club crests? 
The best and worst Argentine club badges. I have to say, I don't think that this is a field in which Argentine football particularly excels. A lot of them are just not particularly imaginative. I'm going to leave that in because... um, it's the first episode back and, and I can't be bothered editing out. Uh, apologies for that noise. A lot of them are, are not particularly imaginative, sort of juxtaposing or, or cramming in of the club's initials um, into something approximating the club's kit. So worst would be... I'm trying to just think of Superliga clubs at the moment to, to narrow it down. Oh, hang on, we've got a, a list of them up here, haven't we? We've got more on here. Um... Yeah, Huracans is is possibly the most creative in terms of form. Because of the run, yes. And worst, I, I, it's very difficult to pick out one that I think is less imaginative and and sort of more mundane than all of the others. Um, so, all of them. I don't know. Yes, if you're an English speaker, obviously Newell's mm. one is quite funny because it says knob. Um, and, yes, and the, Patronato's the in fact says cap, which is also funny in its own way. But yeah, I mean the rest of the. Uh, Lanús is also creative river because of the well the. Yeah, Lanús one looks like a rich tea biscuit. Yes. Which won't make any sense to you, but um, to most British people it will do. Um, and yeah, I, just by and large, I, I'm not a big fan of the club badges. They're, it's not so much that I think they're awful. I just think they're a bit like meh. There are so. a lot, a lot with stripes and. Yeah. Kits is another matter, but we haven't been asked about kits, and we're already running way over our normal time, so we're not going to get into them. Uh, Arch Bell says, thoughts on Joel Sonora at Tacheres? I'm completely forgetting how to say words. Thoughts on Joel Sonora at Tacheres? There we are. Think he can get regular first team minutes? I... Probably. Given the players that Tacheres have let go, because I'd have thought he was slotting quite nicely where Reynoso has left if I'm remembering the, yes. the, the kind of player he was because I've not really seen him since he left Argentina this is the apparently thing. he's he uh, yes, offensive really midfielder uh, but well having played for Stuttgart 2 I think it is the name the mm. correct name uh, from, from the third even when, when it is the third division of Germany uh, I think and even more with the li- li- living of with Reynoso leaving uh, the team he will have minutes, and, yeah. and they particularly also another particular thing is that he he was born in the United States. Yes, which, a, which is why Arch is um, yes. asking about him. Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and he's the son of Diego Senor, of course, mm. the former right back of Boca. Yes, uh, I remember there was a Boca link somewhere. Yes, uh, um, he, he apparently played the World Cup for the under twenty national team of the United States. So. Uh, we will have to see, of course, how he plays because we haven't watched him very much. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I guess the biggest obstacle might be how, how good his Spanish is. But I'm assuming he's—I mean, I'm assuming he speaks it. But he's, he spent a lot of time growing up in the States and then he went to Germany. So whether he speaks flawless Spanish or not, I can't remember because I don't remember where he developed from as a player. But um, yeah, on the pitch. He he was at he the at the minutes. minor divisions of Boca and he left. That's ah right yes okay I, the name was ringing a bell from somewhere. Yes, you're right yeah okay so his Spanish should be fine so yes he can get minutes he should settle okay. 
Uh, Yusuf Amin says, first of all, welcome back. If you need predictions, hit me up. We don't. Somebody has given us predictions via our Facebook page, uh, which we'll be doing for Mystic Sam in a few minutes' time. Uh, but thanks anyway, Yusuf. He says, now for the questions. <coughs> Top three signings, in your opinion, this window? Barrios. This isn't necessarily in order. Reynoso at Boca. And Armani for River. In my opinion. Do you want to give three different ones, Andres? Well, for me it will be Barrios, Sarate and Prato. Okay. I think not because of the money in the case of River, but because of the... I think he's... Well, of course, he hasn't already played, but somehow a warranty of goals. Mm. And, and to putting the t-shirt on and... And well, uh, having a good performance. Yeah. But well, of course, it's opinion. I, I prefer Armani because I think Armani is is more of the player River needed. Uh, Centre forward, they were. That's true. I mean, don't get me wrong. Prato's going to be useful, and it's 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 going to be good to have some some uh, rotation and, and another person to play alongside Ekoko. Um But they really needed a goalkeeper um, desperately because. Everywhere else they were fine in the starting eleven, and then beyond that they didn't have much of an option. And for goalkeeper they didn't even have a starting goalkeeper. And we are leaving Centurion out because all of the things we have been talking about. He also says, Yusuf, uh, this is a chance by the way to point out that Yusuf runs the very good uh, Racing in English Twitter account, which is um, twitter.com slash Racing in English, if I remember rightly. Um, He says, thoughts on Caudet and how do you see his time at Racing panning out? As I said... They've got the right kind of squad to play the way that his central side played. Um, so I think that, that it could be a good match. And, you know, he spent a lot of time as a player um, at River Plate. He spent a lot of time as a player at Central. So he knows his way around big clubs. He's not going to be intimidated by the by the atmosphere at El Cilindro. Um, San Lorenzo. I think that's important as well. San Lorenzo, thank you. Yeah, that was, I knew there was another one. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got some pedigree there and, and he's, uh, he should be a good fit. I think um, Tom Robinson says Veles under Gabriel Hainsey look to have recruited well do you think they could have a strong second half of the season I think they'll have a stronger second half of the season than their first half was that's it has not an better. especially bar, high bar to clear um, but they have to consider at the moment they just need results um, and I think that they will do well enough I haven't looked at what their remaining fixtures are like and we've been going on for so long that I don't want to slow us down anymore by doing that but I'm going to say yes strong in comparison with what they managed in the first 12 matches uh, which is a low bar to clear as I say but yeah Um, Phil Carney says do you have any thoughts on the bloodletting at Lanús over the break it's not unusual for an Argentine team coming off a successful run to lose players as we mentioned in fact but not normally to this extent the captain and the record appearance holder was forced out against fan protests. I mean, thoughts? Oh, sorry, Phil, it continues. <laughs> Just as well, I clicked that. Um, so his, Phil's second tweet says, the top scorer left because he thought they were doing the same to him. The first choice centre-back and arguably best goalkeeper followed Almiron to Colombia. Backups and rotations have been released without replacement. Six of the 18 from the Libertadores' first leg have left. Is this the usual slump back to struggle for a side that's punched above its weight, or is it the beginning of a more precipitous fall a la Newells or Vélez? I think that on the pitch, at least, Lanús are reasonably well run. Um, 
I know that not all Lanus fans, I'm sure you obviously having been down here and talked to several of them, Phil, you'll be aware as well that not all Lanus fans are entirely happy with Nicolas Russo. Um, but I think it's probably going to be a, a, a chance to... Um, it, it's going to be a bit of a, a case of regrouping. There's going to be a drop-off initially. It's really, really, really impossible for pretty much any South American club, but particularly South American clubs outside Brazil, um, to hope to do as well as Lanús did in the Libertadores last season and then continue that level next season because you're going to get decimated uh, squad-wise. So, essentially, yeah. I mean, what what you're implying by asking the question, I think I think is correct, Andres. Well, what I heard, uh, the the. Uh what I heard is that, for example, Roman Martinez won't be taken into account by by Carboni, which is strange because I think he's he still has uh, the, the 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 skills and the, well uh, the ability to play to play well for Lanús. But again, uh, uh, regarding, for example, Velázquez and, and Sun, they were they had more more than thirty years, uh, near forty, in fact, and uh, I don't see it so 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 strange. To lead the team, even as I said, with Sand uh, discussing or arguing with the with the president, and it is I think it is not so so surprising when you arrive to your first ever final of Copa Libertadores to have your 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 squad disarmed or or with a lot of players leaving. Mm. Uh, so yes, I understand of course the the the, the I mean. Uh, not being happy with this, but uh, I think it's not that uh, that surprising. Yeah. Um, Phil also asks, any thoughts on Riquelme replacing Angelisi as Boca president? Just to clarify, that's not happened, but it might happen, because Riquelme has hinted, I think, I, I'm not sure whether he said it outright, but he's hinted that he might stand for the Boca president. He may win. He'd, surely he'd win, wouldn't he? Uh-huh. Surely he'd win. Yes, he'd, yes, he'd of course. win with 80% of the vote, wouldn't he? I would have thought. I mean, yes. you know, we'll have to try and ask our um, our Boca supporting contingent what they reckon. But I think I, I know a fair few Boca fans, um, and in, in some cases members, who are no real fans of Angelisi and, and who feel that, um, as in fact we talk about, and, and I try not to be to appear biased about it because I'm aware that most of our listeners are aware that Andres and I and River sympathisers. Um, but uh, you know, we do mention sometimes how Ankelisi's public utterances don't always, let's say, shower Boca Juniors in glory and make them appear a really dignified side. I think that Riquelme would be an excellent antidote to that because he just seems to to get it. I mean, the fans aren't always entirely happy with the fact that he doesn't just relentlessly take the piss out of opponents. So start with, but. I've said before, I think on this podcast I've said before that I wish that there were more people in Argentine football like Juan Román Riquelme because he appears to be honest, straight talking and to actually think before he speaks um, and to be relatively sober and not to let the all-consuming fanaticism for the club get in the way of giving his opinion um, and I think that, that we do need more people. Uh, not not just, in fact, I don't think just that Argentine football would be better if there were more Riquelmes in it. I think Argentina would be a better country. And in some ways the world would be a better place if there were more people like Juan Román Riquelme. And I'm sure that's a sentiment we can all get behind. Yes. But that might have been a bit grandiose, but uh, Andres, I'll let you... Yeah, sorry, you. because I almost interrupt you. But 
to start with, yes, he's. I think he's he's good because he has been talking well uh, about River, um, being honest on, in his opinions. And uh, about that, I think I don't know whether he will be an honest president. But what I know is that Angelisi isn't honest. He admitted having called uh, uh, the AFA to to uh, make sure a, a referee doesn't uh, uh, send off players or, or to, to have a good uh, in I mean good uh, play uh, to not to send off players for from Boca or to uh, make players have a less a, a, a weaker sanction for, uh, for them to play a match from against Vélez you you remember the, the oh, match yeah. they had to play uh, to qualify to the Copa Libertadores that uh, apparently Vélez had already qualified and they had to play against Boca because Angelisi wanted mm. so uh, I don't think whether Riquelme will be an honest uh, president but I know that Angelisi isn't, so uh, for me he will be will be better than than Angelisi. So, in other words, uh, enthusiastic endorsement from me, and uh, less enthusiastic but still an endorsement for Andres. And that was our final question, which means that this next music is going to be Mystic Sam's theme music. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, I'm going to be taking on um, somebody. I'll, I'll tell you who. I think it's Chris, but I can't remember his name exactly. So I will tell you who it is in just a second when I've had a chance to try and get the um, list of his predictions up from our Facebook page, our first ever Facebook submission of some predicted results. This is very exciting. Simon Clark, I apologise for um, completely misremembering your name and calling you Chris, but Simon Clark is our first ever person to have a go at mystical predictions via facebook you can too at facebook.com slash hand of pod just um do as he's done and, and screenshot a um word processor selection of your fixtures with the winners in bold um and you can take me on as long as nobody else has already volunteered to do so this week um he has oh that's brave he's um predicted independiente versus central on wednesday which kicked off if it kicked off on time, it kicked off 14 minutes ago. We're not watching it, so I'm going to try to predict it as well, since he is doing. Uh, he's gone for an Independiente win. I'm also going to go for an Independiente win, because I'm really brave. Um, then, for the weekend, he's gone Godoy Cruz to beat Chacarita Juniors. I will go for that as well. Tigre to lose to Banfield. I'll throw the cat among the pigeons and say a draw for that. Tacheres and San Lorenzo, he thinks, is going to be a draw. Mm. I'll go for San Lorenzo there. First away win of the year. Defensive was DCR to beat Vélez Sansfield for Simon. And Sam says that it's going to be a draw, I think. Um, Newell's old boys, he Simon says, will beat Arsenal de Sarandí. Yeah, it's Arsenal de Sarandí, so you have to go for a, a home win there. Um, Lanús to beat Patronato, according to Simon. I'll go for... I don't know, Patronato... Had some surprising results last year, but they were mostly in their own stadium, if I remember rightly, so I'm going to go for a Lanus win as well. Um, we're going, both of us, for a Boca Juniors home win against Colón de Santa Fe. Argentinos Juniors against San Martín de San Juan. Simon says a draw. I'm going to go for an Argentinos win. Um, 
Olimpo against Belgrano. Simon says Belgrano win. I'll go draw. Union at home to Racing. Simon is saying an Union win. I'm going to go for a Chacho Codet victory on his, his first official match as Racing manager. Or I can against River Plate. Simon says draw. I say away win. River. Atletico Tucumán at home to Tempele. Simon reckons that's a home win and I would agree with him there. Rosario Centrale says to get an away win over Gimnasia. I'm going to go for a draw and Independiente to beat Estudiantes de la Plata on Monday night. Yeah, I'll go with that. Very brave and thank you very much Simon for predicting these uh, because the first round of fixtures back after such a long break is always particularly difficult to predict uh, it's not as if the rest of the league is any easier for the rest of the season but these these first ones are absolute buggers um, so thank you very much indeed Simon for sending those in thank you everybody for listening to us we have managed to get this in at 25-ish minutes less than the final episode of last year which I'm quite happy with because when I realised just then that we broke for the mystical theme music that we've been recording for an hour and a half already um, I was despairing but I, I don't think we've missed anything have we? I don't think so no Excellent, we managed, yeah. I, I'm happy with this. We're going to go and um, probably get something to eat now with, with English Dan. Um, but to all of our listeners, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for the support that you have shown for the new logo and um, for the prospect of a Patreon page. If you said that you were going to give us money, then please, once I set the Patreon page up, give us money. Don't just be somebody who says you're going to and then not. Um, you can do, obviously. It's entirely up to you, really, what you do with your uh, cash. But um, if it, when, it, when that's set up, I will let people know. Um, and anything that people can afford to give will be massively appreciated. If you can't afford to give anything, then equally, it's also massively appreciated, the fact that you're supporting the podcast by listening to us. Um, and I would like to emphasise that whatever we decide to do in terms of listener rewards for the Patreon page... Um, the podcast itself, this weekly episode that we record in the middle of the week and get online the following day is always going to be free to listen to um, so don't worry about anything to do with having to pay money to, to hear um, an hour from and a half of us talking complete crap apart from that, if you pay you will have less, somehow a, like a bonus track something some maybe a bonus track, well the other thing, yeah I have a couple of ideas which I'm going to run past you uh, unless you've already seen them on the Hand of Pod uh, Twitter page um, but I'm going to run past you and Dan um, uh, over something to eat in a few minutes um, and we will decide on something uh, for those who are prepared to or can afford to pay a little bit more um, anyway for now it is enjoy the football this weekend and goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye and from me thank you very much for listening welcome back to 2018 and goodbye for now One very quick little update now. Uh, Dan and Andres and I went for dinner and I got back home to look up the result for Independiente de Rosario Central. That game finished 1-1. So we're very much back on the way and it wasn't that high scoring a game to get us back on the way for Ball in the year 2018.